And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. God's purposes are bigger than anything we can imagine. See, the Holy Spirit spoke to Samuel, and he says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I want to tell you and remind you that God's got plans for you that haven't even penetrated your consciousness. God has got victories for you that you haven't even dreamed about. God has success for you, and he's got plans for you that you haven't even gotten a hold of. It says in Ephesians 3.21, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that's at work inside us. And he certainly had plans for the apostle Paul. Paul didn't know about. Let's begin reading here in Acts 15. Verse 36, it says, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now let me just stop there and say about five years earlier, Paul and Barnabas had traveled preaching the gospel and they had planted churches on their first missionary journey. So now it's five years later, they said, Let us go back and check on them. Now Barnabas, verse 37, Barnabas was determined to take with them John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. You say, well, I didn't know he'd left them. Sure, in, in Acts 13, in the middle of their very first missionary journey, John Mark gets homesick and he takes off and he leaves them. And, 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 and Paul says, hey, we don't need to take a guy like that. Verse 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And you know, you never hear from Barnabas again. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now jump down to chapter 16, verse 1. Then he came to Derby and to Lystra. Now, Derby and Lystra were twin cities. They were very close together. You remember when they were there on the first missionary journey, the anointing was so powerful that there was great revival and many people came to Christ. In fact, one day Paul was preaching out in the open and he saw a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked before in his life. And he saw that the man had faith to be healed. And Paul says, he said to him, arise, Arise and begin to walk. And the Bible says that that man began to begin. He stood straight up and he began to walk and people were amazed. And you got to remember, these are pagan people who they've never heard this gospel of Jesus Christ. They like the power of the Holy Spirit. They like what they're seeing. And the Bible says that they begin to worship Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul, they called Hermes. And they tried to, they tried to lay wreaths at their feet and they tried tried to worship them. And they said, hey, we're just men like you. Don't worship us. Worship the true God of heaven and earth. And you know what? It was just a couple of days later that the same group of people that wanted to worship them, they turn on Paul and they stone him and they think that he's dead. And the Bible says over in Acts chapter 14 that Paul is 
been stoned and left for dead and a group of believers gather around him and I'm sure they're praying and I don't know that Paul didn't get raised from the dead by our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, verse 1 of chapter 16 says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go on with him. See, Paul's so impressed with this young Timothy that he says, Hey, I want you to become one of our traveling preaching team. I want you to come with us. Now, we learned some things from this, and here, here's the very first point this morning. No single person is irreplaceable. This is our first point. No single person is irreplaceable. When Barnabas leaves for whatever reason, God has a Silas and God has a Timothy to take his place. Okay, there, there, there have been times that, you know, I've had staff members over the years, and I've just thought, boy, if, if they leave, it's just not going to be so good. But God has always been faithful. I remember it was back in March that Ryan Kramer called me one morning, and I was getting ready to leave for Jacksonville. He says, can I come see you? I said, well, if you can come early. And he drove out to my house, and he says, Pastor, we're thinking about transitioning, taking a church in Seattle. And I remember my heart just sank down to my down to my stomach at that point in time. And I thought, oh, no, we just love Andrew and Ryan so much. But you know what? God always has a plan. And no single person is irreplaceable. When Barnabas leaves, God has Silas and Timothy to take his place. Now, I don't know how you read Acts chapter 15, but every time I read about the contention that there was, that existed between Paul and between Barnabas, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart that, that, that their relationship was so hurt because it was Barnabas as the guy who back, go back and read Acts chapter nine. It was Barnabas after Paul, Saul of Tarsus gets saved. He's in Damascus and he comes to Jerusalem and he tries to join the church. Hey, they don't want anything to do with him. They don't trust this guy. And it was Barnabas that took Saul of Tarsus and sponsored him. Later when there was revival in Antioch and, and, and Saul has already gone back to Tarsus, he's back in Turkey. It's Barnabas who, who travels all the way to Turkey and finds Saul of Tarsus and brings him and sponsors him into ministry. And so now they're having a ruptured relationship and Barnabas goes his way and Saul goes his way. I hope you've never had a, a ruptured relationship. Let, let, me, let me just share with you four things that the Bible teaches us that we can do when a relationship is ruptured. Number one, Romans twelve eighteen says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Here, here, here's the point, guys. Some people may be violently opposed to you and me. There are some people that no matter what we do, no matter what we say, they may just not like us. And there's not a whole lot that you and I can do about it. But here's the deal. If peace breaks down in a relationship, let's make sure that it's not our fault. See, you, you can't, it hurts when you hear that somebody's talking bad about you. It hurts when you hear that somebody's done you wrong. It hurts when somebody that you loved and you trusted is no longer, no longer seemingly your friend. But dear ones, you and I can't choose what other people choose to do, but we can choose how we respond. We can choose what we do, can't we? Hallelujah. Not only that, but 
It says in Ephesians 4.30, says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Dear ones, when peace breaks down in a relationship, make sure that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit by getting bitter in your heart. Make sure you don't grieve the Holy Spirit by talking bad about that person. Make sure that you keep a heart that's sensitive to the Spirit of God and you want to forgive even as God in Christ forgave you. There was a time that I used to think I didn't have to forgive if people didn't ask me to. Don't you wish it was that way? Well, that make it easier. No, we forgive even as God forgave us. And I forgive not because somebody else deserves forgiveness, but because I deserve to be set free of the tyranny of what they do. When I begin to hate another man, I become his slave. I never escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind. There's another thing that we can do, and that's we can rely on Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It may take time, and you may have to walk it out, but if you'll keep a Christ-like attitude. You know, Jesus didn't tell us to to turn the other cheek because he wants us to get beat up. He said, turn the other cheek because I want to give that other person an opportunity for my grace to work in them and for my grace to change change them. See, God is not into behavior modification. He's into transforming and changing our hearts. And he says, I'm going to take every ugly, bad thing that's ever happened in your life. And if you'll respond in faith toward me and say, God, maybe I don't understand this, but I believe you and I trust you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I'm believing you to make this work together for my good. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There's another principle, and it's found in Philippians 4.19. Read this aloud and loud with me. Come on. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Say it again. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When Barnabas leave, God knows how to bring somebody else named Silas to help you. He knows how to bring a a Timothy to assist you. Now let's continue in Acts 16 verse 3. And he took him and he circumcised him. That means that he had surgery because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Folks, Paul has Timothy circumcised, not So Timothy can be saved. It's not about keeping the law. It's all about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Timothy's mother was Jewish. His father was Gentile. That made him, by the law of Moses, he was a Jewish man. And good Jewish boys were circumcised. If you weren't circumcised, you were viewed as a rebel. You were viewed as as something like a terrorist. And 
Paul and Timothy wanted to be able to go into the synagogues and they wanted to be able to preach the gospel in the synagogues. Now understand this, Paul would never have said, Timothy, I want you to be circumcised for your salvation. He would never say that because circumcision doesn't save us. Go read the book of Galatians. Circumcision doesn't mean anything, Paul says. He says it's not just keeping the law, but it's knowing the spirit of the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. That's what saves us. That's what changes us. So Timothy is circumcised. Here's, here's our second point this morning. For a young adult male to submit to circumcision, it shows us that Timothy had a heart for God and didn't want anything to hinder his ministry. Now, as an adult male, I can just tell you, I don't know that I would want to be circumcised as an adult. I think it could be painful. But this man says, hey, I don't want anything to stop me from glorifying God. I don't want anything to keep doors from being open to me with the gospel. So I'm going to submit to circumcision. In fact, here's what Paul wrote about Timothy later, Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. I've got nobody else like Timothy, who genuinely cares for your welfare. You know, when I, I, I'm selecting and searching for pastors to join our staff, and of course I've, I've been in this process now for a couple of months, you know, I'm always asking myself, is this man, is this woman, are they somebody that's going to love the congregation at Evangel like I would? Are they going to have the heart of Timothy? You know, I, 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 I want to know, does this person have a heart for God? Are they seeking first the kingdom of God? Are they, a per- are they in the word of God on a daily basis? Are they in the word not because they're a pastor and in ministry and getting their paycheck by ministry, but are they in the, in, in the word because they love God? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, I'm asking myself, are they, what's their prayer life like? How do they pray when nobody's looking? Are they filled with the Holy Ghost? Are they praying in the Spirit? Are they praying with their understanding? Are they seeking first the kingdom of God? Are they, are, are they going after God with everything that they've got? You know, how do they treat their wife? How do they treat their husband? How do they treat their children? Do they pay their bills? We said, you're going to meddling now, Pastor. No, how, how, how do they handle their money? You know, money is always a test from God. See, Jesus said this, he's taught, he says, where your treasure is is where your heart's going to be. And I've watched it over the years. Jesus said, if you'll be faithful in what's little, I'm going to make you faithful in what's lo- what is much. But if you're not going to be faithful in what's little, folks, if, 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 if a man is, 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 is in the, in full-time ministry, is if he's receiving his, his, his living, from the tithes and offerings of a congregation, he better be paying the, his tithes himself. Come on, he better be paying his bills. He better have a good reputation with outsiders, you know. I, I'm asking myself, does, does this person, are they seeking first the kingdom of God? Are they learned to say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Ghost, you know. What is their attitude like? Do they have a Christ-like attitude? Do they have an attitude, somebody that you like to be around? Sometime, I, I read one time before you hire somebody, you should take them camping and pray for rain and for adversity. 
because that'll tell you a whole lot about them. I've learned that if you take some people to play golf, you can learn a whole lot about them. Amen? And then I'm asking myself, you know, what is their capacity for leadership? Do they have the capacity to lead other people? Do they have the capacity to equip other people for ministry? Or is it all about them? You know, I I have hired, in in years past, I've hired some worship pastors, and they wanted to sing all the solos. It was all about them. See, one of the reasons, and I I thank God for what what the Lord's doing through Brother Norm Munyon and through our worship team and our band and and, and, and all of our singers. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that this is an interim team. But you know what? We're doing such a great job because for Andrea Kramer, it wasn't all about her. You know, Andrea had a, that girl's got a set of pipes on her. She had, she's got a set of lungs. She can sing better than Barbara Streisand. and she can belt it out, man. She is great. But you know what? One of the things that she told me early on, she says, now, Pastor, she says, I don't want it all to be about me. I want uh, others to have opportunity. And, you know, and every Wednesday afternoon for a long time at 5 o'clock, every, every person that, could, that was in the choir and part of the worship team, she invited them to say, hey, come and bring your lunch, bring your dinner, and I'm just going to pour my life into you. And you know what? I, I looked at Ashley up here singing last Sunday, and I looked at Josh, and I thought, you know what? I don't know that they ever sang before Andrea came along. I don't know that that that, 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 that some of our musicians were playing before Andrea came along, and she gave you a chance. And you're and you're mega talented. You've got all this talent. So I'm asking myself, Lord, what is this person's capacity? If they're going to join our staff, if they're going to be our worship pastor, what is their capacity for leadership? What is their capacity for equipping others? people for works of ministry. See, a critical aspect of being an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher is for the equipping of the saints. And that word equipping means to mend a broken net. How many know sometimes we get our nets broken in life? Sometimes things haven't gone so bad. But I'm going to tell you something. God's not nearly as concerned about your past as he is about your future. Where you're going is a lot more important than where you've been. Your windshield's a lot bigger than your rearview mirror because, again, where you're going is a whole lot more important than where you've been. And, folks, a good pastor can come along and can help mend some broken nets in your life. A good man, a good woman of God can make a difference. Amen? They really can't. So I'm asking myself, what is their capacity? And then finally, I ask themselves, what is their giftedness? Can they do the job description? Do they have all the experiences that we're looking for? And this morning... I'm happy to make this announcement that after, after about five weeks of prayer and conferring with our board, that uh, we've decided to, to make some internal promotions when it comes to Pastor Ryan Kramer's administrative pastor position. In fact, Brother Glenn Ruiz, who is our family life pastor, he's back there with the children right now. Brother Glenn is going to become our pastor of operations. In other words, he's going to be overseeing the daily affairs of the church and with the facilities and with the campus development, risk management and media and security and outreach, all of that thing. In fact, you can tell that Brother Glenn used to own a sign uh, a sign store, can't you? Just look at the new the new posters that are outside. He's already started doing it. Now, for the time being, he's doing all that, plus he's doing all the family life ministry. And so what that means is because Glenn is stepping into this, we're going to be searching for a new children's pastor. Amen? 
<laughs> last Sunday, I started to tell you last Sunday, but we decided to meet with all the children's workers first and, and let them know last, last Sunday what was getting ready to happen. And not only that, but Glenn said, you know, there's some administrative things I can't care for. And so as we sat around and, and talked about it, Terry said, you know, I'd like to step up. And, and so Terry's going to be our pastor of administration and she's going to continue to be over connections and small groups and that kind of thing. But Terry, she, she's going to end up looking over, over CCB, our community church builder software program, which is quite a bit. She's also going to chair and be the forward thinker for all our pastoral administrative meetings. She's also going to, um, See, there's three or four other things that she's doing. Uh, I've got them written down if I can find them in here. She's, she's also going to, um, um, be leading the Discover You, the small group process whereby people learn their spiritual gifts and find places of service. And, and there's more things I can't think of right now. But, but, but they're going to actually, they've already started moving in there. Now we're continuing to search and interview people. I've, I've had over a hundred resumes on my desk where we've listed these positions online. And, um, and, but that doesn't mean that we've necessarily have found God's person. I, there's, there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people out there who have great hearts who want to serve, but that doesn't mean necessarily they're the ones that God has called to be here. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I need your help. I need you to help pray and fast and seek God with me for this thing. See, on, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, we're just going to take these days, and, and you could do a whole fast, you could do a Daniel fast, you could just miss a meal here and there, whatever works for you. But I need you to fast and pray because this is not a flesh and blood struggle. This is not like saying, I've got this business over here and I need to plug somebody in it. It's very, very important that you find the right people that are the right fit because eternity is at stake here and there's powers of darkness that would like to work against us in Jesus' name. And here's what I'm asking you to do. If you would join us and fast and pray for, for Pastor Glenn as he's making this transition and for Cherie and for their family, and pray for Terry and Paul as they're making this transition. Also, I didn't add that Pastor Zach, who's not here this morning, Pastor Zach is, in addition to student ministries, is also working with visitation now. If you'd pray for those three people, and then you'd also pray that God would help us to find the worship pastor of his choice and the children's pastor of his choice. I'm going to tell you something. We've enjoyed around here for a long time now a wonderful chemistry on, on our on our team. How many of you know when you work with the right people, it makes all the difference in the world? How many of you know when you work with the wrong people, it can be difficult? You say amen, that's right, or oh me. If you're the wrong person, especially say oh me. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you to fast and pray and seek God with us. In fact, tomorrow at noon, we'll be having a special prayer time for this. How many of you will do that? You'll say, Pastor Terrell, I'll help you pray. I'll help you seek God. Come on, let me just see your hands. Come on. Come on, thank God for you. Thank God for you. Look at verse 6 of Acts 16. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, Asia here doesn't, doesn't refer to the Far East. That's what we think of when we say Asia, but Asia here meant what they called the Near East. It's actually part of the Middle East. It referred to, to modern-day Turkey. And now when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden. Everybody say that. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Say it again. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit 
to preach the word in Asia. How does the Holy Spirit forbid us? How do you think that happened? Perhaps there was a prophecy, maybe, maybe there was tongues and interpretation, maybe, maybe they just sensed that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. I know when I'm getting ready to make a wrong decision, sometimes, and I'm out of God's will, God will, I lose my peace about it. I don't have a peace about going forward, and I just realize, hey, I just need to stop, and I need to listen to the Holy Ghost. Well, it doesn't really tell us how that took place. Look at verse 7. So after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but again, say it with me, the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now see, Paul had planned to first preach the gospel in a new city in Turkey. And then when they they felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't do that, then he says, okay, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to preach in Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit forbids them. So they go down to Troas. Paul is sleeping one night. He gets a vision of a Greek man who's over in Macedonia, which is on the, the, the continent of Europe. It's across the Aegean Sea from where Paul is, and this man is saying, come over here and help us. How many of you know the greatest help in the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ? I mean, we need to help people with food and clothing and jobs and everything we can. But if we don't give them Jesus, we have not given them eternity. What is a prophet of man if he gains a whole world but loses his soul? This man is saying, come over here. We need you to help us. Now, I want you to catch verse 10. This is really, really important. Verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately... Look at that personal pronoun. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us. Everybody say we and us. After he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, this is very, very important because if you're reading the book of Acts, you'll find it's not in the personal pronoun we and us. Up to this time, it's been they and it's been them. But now it's we and we us. It's because something important has happened. I submit to you that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, joined them at Troas. Dr. Luke, the physician, joined them. And now it's not they and them. Now it's we and us. And God not only has given the Apostle Paul, Barnabas has left. He's going doing his own thing in Cyprus with John Mark. But now God has given him Silas. God has given him Timothy. And now he's given him his own personal physician. How many of you recognize that Paul suffered because of the gospel? The Bible says that Paul was in, he was beaten Often, in fact, he wrote to the Galatians, he says, henceforth, let no man trouble me because I bear my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that God supernaturally spoke to Luke's heart and says, I want you to help the apostle Paul. And so here Luke is, he starts joining with Paul. He gives him medical attention when he needs it. He prays for him and Luke begins to write and Luke records the book of Acts. And he writes the gospel of Luke. Folks, here's what I want you to see. 
If you miss everything else, I want you to get this. If you and I will choose to live according to the word of God, and if we will obey the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, and I understand when the Spirit of God speaks to you, if he shouted at at all of us, it would be easy. But sometimes he speaks in that still, small voice. Sometimes it seems imperceptible. But if you will follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, God's got plans for you that you haven't dreamed about. God's got thoughts for you that you haven't even thought yet. God has has things for you that you haven't even thought about. But we've got to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God because Paul, in his mind, wanted to go preach to a city, but God says, no, I want you to go to a continent. I want you to take the gospel to Europe. Paul, in his mind, he just wanted a person. He wanted Silas to take Barnabas' place, but God says, no, I got somebody besides, besides Barnabas. I got Silas, and I got young Timothy. And Timothy is going to become the pastor at Ephesus. And Timothy is going to be a great strength to the body of Christ and to the local church. And not only that, Paul, but i got bigger plans than you've ever thought of. Because one day, billions and billions of people are going to read this word. And they're going to read the Acts of the Apostle. So I'm going to have Dr. Luke go with you. And Luke's going to take care of you physically. And Luke's going to write the book of Acts. And Luke's going to record the gospel of, uh, of, the gospel of Luke. And, and, and Paul went on. And you'll remember. Remember when they got there, they set a little girl free of demons. She was a fortune teller, and they got locked in prison. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were locked up in prison. Apparently, Timothy and Luke were not thrown in prison. But Paul and Silas were locked up in prison. And they began to worship God. Their hands and their feet were in the stock. And they began to worship God. And the Bible says the angels, it doesn't say the angels, it says the prisoners were listening to them. I bet they had never heard anybody like those men. They had heard a lot of cursing. They had heard a lot of swearing. They had heard a lot of angry people. But nobody in that prison, nobody in that jail had heard anybody giving God glory at midnight. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake and the Philippian jailer got saved. And I believe that the next day when the daylight came and Paul looked at that jailer in the face he said you're the man you're the man that i dreamed about when we were over in turkey you're the man you're the man of macedonia that man got saved a church is planted in europe great things happen now let me just back up a minute while they were worshiping at midnight have you ever worshiped god when it looked like the curtains were drawn and nothing good was happening Have you ever offered up that sacrifice of praise when nobody's calling to tell you how much they love you? Have you ever offered up that sacrifice of praise when you didn't have enough money to pay your bills? Have you ever offered up that sacrifice of praise when people are talking bad about you? Have you ever offered up that sacrifice of praise when nothing else seems to work? I'm going to tell you something. When there's no person to listen, there's a God in heaven who listens and his angels are listening. And the Bible says this. It says that God inhabits the praises of his people. He doesn't inhabit the grumbling of his people. He doesn't inhabit the frustrations of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. I believe Paul and Silas, there's just two voices. Everybody say two voices. And one of them probably couldn't sing very good or stay on tune. But God's reason, God says, make a joyful noise. There are two voices 
who were worshiping God in that Philippian jail. And I believe that God said, angels, angels, listen. There's worship I hear. Somebody's praising me. And they begin to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. (laughs) And I like the old preacher who said that God in heaven said, hey, I like that. And he began to snap his fingers. He began to keep time. Some of the angels began to sing. And before long, God, he was sitting on his throne and he just began to tap his foot. And there was an earthquake because when God taps his foot, amazing things, amazing things. Here's the deal. The devil wanted to destroy Paul when Barnabas left. The devil didn't want there to be any ministry. He didn't want there to be a New Testament. He didn't want those churches to be established. The devil wanted to destroy Paul when they were, they were confused and they tried to go this way and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them and they tried to go this way and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. There are times the devil will lie to you and tell you things are not going to work out for you, that life's not worth living, that you might as well just start coasting and not try too hard because, hey, doesn't matter anyway. I'm telling you, don't you give up. You keep pressing on. You keep pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus because there's a God who's seeing in secret and he will reward you openly. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know if it's done anything for you, but I preached myself happy today. So I'm doing good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Brother Norm, come on to the keyboard and everybody just stand to your feet. Everybody stand to your feet all over this house. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around, nobody talking. This is a holy moment. I just want to ask you, how's your relationship with God? If you died tonight, do you know that you would wake up in heaven? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Are your sins forgiven? That's the big question. Are your sins forgiven? What is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is when God says, I want you to live in this way. And you and I say, no, I choose to do something else. I'm going to go my own way. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what I want to tell you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody talking, forgiveness is available to you because God loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Forgiveness is available, but it's not automatic. It's not automatic because God is holy and a holy God can't allow sin into his heaven. The Bible says that God is love and God is also just. The Bible says in James 2 that justice is without mercy. God's a God of justice. He's a God of love. And see, God's justice cannot allow sin into heaven. Therefore, if you and I are going to make heaven our home, we've got to turn from our sins. That's, that's, that's what the word repent means. It means to 
turn around. It means to be driving down the road in one direction and somebody says turn around and you make a U-turn and go the other direction. That's what it means to repent. You're going to turn from your sin and you're going to turn to the grace of God. You're going to turn to the blood of Jesus. You're going to turn to the, the righteousness that Jesus Christ affords you, which you can never have on your own. You turn to God and then you can make heaven your home one day and while you're on this earth, you can have abundant life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In the stillness of this moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd say, Terrell, I really want that forgiveness of sins. I want the forgiveness of sins that God affords. I want to know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Just lift your hand up and leave it up until I see it. Just raise your hand and just leave it up long enough until I see it. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Terrell, I really want to know that my sins are forgiven. I really want to know that my sins are forgiven. Anybody in this, in this room? Anybody at all? Terrell, I want Jesus Christ to be my King and to be my Lord. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer in support of everybody that's raised their hands to say, Lord God, today I put my trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I turn away from sin and I turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you to live in me, Jesus. I ask you to change me from the inside out. Make me new on the inside. I make you my King and Lord, Jesus. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. If you've got a call of God on your life, if you've got a call of God on your life, I want you to step out from where you're standing and come right down here just for a time of prayer before we go downstairs for that volunteer luncheon. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.